Welcome to The Next Scene, the podcast where we take on uh, pop culture and the world one scene at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm the other host, Brian. All right. So welcome to uh, welcome to The Next Scene. Yes, welcome. <laughs> so, Brian, what are, we, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are talking about the 1990 Bill Murray's first and only directorial debut and mm-hmm. only direct ever to... That uh, basically is the only movie to ever be directed. Quick change. This Quick movie change. is not on a lot of people's radars, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of talk about it because I don't think anybody else has. And people need to see this movie. Mm-hmm. They need to get out there. This this is an underrated '90s classic. I call it a more of a dark comedy. Some people refer to it as a crime drama dramedy. Like I said, this is Bill Murray's first directorial debut, his only one. Mm -hmm. And the scene we're talking about is the very beginning where Bill Murray plays a character called Grimm, and he's going to rob a Midtown Manhattan bank. And the first scene starts with him on a a train, excuse me, dressed up in clown makeup as he rides (laughs) the subway to Midtown and enters into the bank. Sticks up everybody, robs the bank, and has to exit out without the police realizing who he is. So the first thing I wanted to talk about in this was when he's on the train, this is the very first opening scene. The camera pans to just normal everyday people, and then you see Bill Murray in clown makeup, which I thought was an interesting choice. Having, I mean, in the 1990, I mean, he's still a big star, but to Mm -hmm. put your lead character and Bill Murray completely covered in makeup, not that you couldn't recognize him, but it's not him as I think people would know. What do you think about that choice there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so some, some unexpected and and interesting choices you make, and you mentioned this is, um, so the only feature film that Bill Murray directed, this is also the only f- feature film that he produced. So he's ah. writer, director, star here. Um, now he has, he did produce some TV specials. There was a, a Bill Murray Christmas special a few years ago and, and things like that, that he's produced. But in terms of feature films, yeah, his only, um, only turn as director, only turn as, as producer. And to start off, yeah, with your star in makeup. Now it's, it's, pretty recognizable and they do they they kind of run the credit so i think you know it's not i don't think they're fooling anyone we know it's bill murray but still that that choice and the um the juxtaposition of like all the the men in their suits and ties going off to work on the subway in in manhattan and then full clown makeup full clown regalia the big shoes the red nose he's he's got a a, a bunch of balloons helium balloons that he's holding um it kind of just it kicks you off that like all right this is going to be this is going to be kind of a a a crazy ride and this is kind of um a real like the the return of bill murray (laughs) in a sense now he had taken and we we talked about this um if you listen to uh, our coverage of scrooged the holiday movie bill had taken off a few years uh from acting to kind of find himself, um, came back with 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 Scrooged, 
and Ghost in 88 and Ghostbusters 2 in 89. And and neither one was really well received. I know I love Scrooge. I think it's one of the, the best Christmas movies of all time, but um, <laughs> I may be alone in that. And <laughs> um, and Ghostbusters 2, like obviously a, a big movie, but I don't think it never reached the heights of the first one. Yeah, it, it doesn't really compare well to the first one. Like so this coming out in 1990 is really a return uh, of Bill Murray as a, a comedic actor. And yeah, and just was- we're going to we're going to stick him, you know, behind makeup under you know th- this exaggerated oversized clothing like really, you know, like old school type clown, like a 50s 60s mm-hmm. bozo type character. Um, that really, you know, swallow. It's where the, the 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 clothing and the makeup is the character. It really, you know, and and it'd be the thing where like, you know, half a dozen different guys were bozo at one point because it's the outfit. It's not the man underneath. So right. it's yeah, it's it's really it's um, it's it's a brave choice right off the bat. And I just want to say this movie was also not well received. Uh, it did gain a little bit of a following. I, I think it's great. That's why one of the reasons I did want to talk about it. But I don't even think it made back its budget. No, it looks like, and I, I did very little research, but uh, yeah, it, it, it cost about $15 million to make. And the the box office gross, the worldwide box office was about $15 million. Now, on the one hand, you've got home video and DVDs and whatnot, but then you also got... You also have um, marketing and other stuff. So it probably balances out. It's probably mm-hmm. just about hopefully break even. Hope they didn't lose too much money on this. But And I want to thank you. I would seen this movie years ago. Hadn't even thought about it in ages. And, mm-hmm. and watching it back for the podcast, I'm just like, oh, wow, this is like just an undiscovered gem. That's right. That's that, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the reviews are generally good. And like people that see it, the audience reviews are generally good. But it's not for whatever reason, it's just not well known. And maybe it's just overwhelmed by it's Bill Murray of the Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day and Caddyshack and all these, you know, just mountains of movie comedy that it kind of gets lost, um, you know, lost in the mix. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think if, if you see it, you'll like it. And it's just a case of a lot of people haven't seen it. Absolutely. Yes, that is true. And this is right before. I mean, he he does hit it pretty big going after this one. I mean, you have Groundhog Day, obviously, a, a few years later. Um, what about Bob? I believe it's two years after this. So he really goes big basically after this movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's pretty much straight up from right. here with, yeah, what about Bob, Groundhog Day, and then – and then Bill starts to get into, you know, his his more serious movies as Ed Wood in '94, and then mm-hmm. the iconic turn as Ernie McCracken and Kingpin in '96. Mm-hmm. But then you get into The Man Who knew, knew Too Little, and then it's Rushmore and Hamlet and Charlie's Angels and Royal Tannenbaums, and he kind of gets into the the West stuff, and and um, yeah, yeah, he just it, it, the career takes off from there, from and already. There. An already stellar, uh, you know, resume at that point, and it just keeps getting better. Right. But uh, he is a, the 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 cast um, in in this movie. Um, naturally, you know, Bill. We talked about Bill Murray, but then we get Gina Davis and Dennis Quaid as sort of the other leads. Before he was crazy. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and just and and Randy being just the perfect Randy. Yes. Um, but then you also have in in smaller parts you have Jason Robards as the chief of police that's sort of the main antagonist that that Bill is is battling to stay free. But then we've got um, you know Phil Hartman and Tony Shaloub and Stanley mm-hmm. Tucci and a lot of sort of they were lesser known names at this point, but people that that broke through later. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know you, you'd be challenged to kind of get get that kind of cast together today. That's right. Really, just just amazing stuff. And uh, getting actually into the to the meat of this first scene here, I also liked how. His character, Bill Murray's character, is he's, as you come to find out, done with the city, ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what you see. You see the normal people riding the subway, and then here's a guy that just stands out. He's just <laughs> not part of them anymore is kind of how I took that subway ride. Uh, the doors open. He walks out, and what happens? People are pushing him back in. You know, the the theme here is the city's fighting against him, and I think it starts right from this. He can't even exit the subway car. Yeah, I mean the the opening credits are still running over the scene of now, and it goes both ways. So certainly, and and we'll probably talk about it later. Some other things where, um, yeah, New York City is a character and an antagonist in this film almost mm-hmm. as much as the police are for um for for the bank robbers here but the clown is not entirely blameless it, you know <laughs> no. take taking taking like this you know a bunch of helium balloons onto the subway <laughs> that's you know part of the You're problem is trouble. He, yeah he's kind of asking for trouble he's kind of like right. he he does for all the we'll see like it, as you watch the movie you'll see he's very smart and and meticulous in planning this robbery but you'll also see like he 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 does himself some uh some damage as well there's some <laughs> self-inflicted wounds and i think the the bringing the balloons on the subway is one of them but yeah and um we'll see like a few of the faces that we see on the subway show up later in the bank as well there's <laughs> definitely at least one but <laughs> yeah so in the very beginning he is like literally against the stream as people are coming on to the, the, the subway car, he's fighting to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he's walking through New York city. I mean, it's, it is funny watching him dressed as a clown walking through the, the city. And it, again, I thought it just seems like a, a guy that's out of place mm-hmm. and he makes it into the bank. Of course, he's right at closing time. And I'm sure we've all been there where they're five minutes before something closes and uh, we're closing, you know, come on, we're closing. But. Yeah, so this is very – he comes up – It's when he comes up out of the subway, it's Times Square, and as he's approaching the bank, we can see uh, Grand Central Terminal, the train station in the background. Like this is the heart of Manhattan. This is mm-hmm. the most New York part of New York. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he is not – He's not a happy clown. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, we should – like and, – and the – this is – I will say, so I, I rewatched the whole movie start to end recently, and there were several times where I laughed out loud, and then there were several times where, like, I'm just appreciating more than laughing. I'm appreciating what I'm seeing in the craftsmanship. So even before he gets to the bank, I want to jump up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he's on the street, he's making his way, he's walking around, and we see two men pulling a a, a clothing rack on wheels that's full of these full length 
fur coats. Probably if they're real fur, these are probably $10,000 fur coats that Mm -hmm. they're dragging through the street on their way to the the clothing district or something, or maybe a a Broadway show. And they run over his clown feet. (laughs) Right. And, and of course, you know, him not being evil, like sideshow Bob, like he's got regular size feet inside the big shoe, but they, they run over his feet you know, or run over the shoes and they just keep on going. They don't even acknowledge the bump in the road. Mm-hmm. And it just, the deadpan, he's just going to sit there. And it's like, you know, this is this just the, the quiet acceptance of this is the city. This is, if I stay here, this will be my life. You right. know, he doesn't, he doesn't call out to them. He's not like, Hey, you know, he's not starting a fight. It's just the recognition resignation of, yeah, I, I got to get out of here. I right. don't, and, I don't and he fit sees, in. He sees the end. I mean, he's he's going to yeah. rob the bank. He sees the end in sight <laughs> that he just needs to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's one other thing, and I and I don't want this – I don't want this to break down into like a, a Chris Farley skit of, you know, oh, remember that time? Yeah, that was funny. But this <laughs> is I, – I have to – as this is – so this is – this was released in 1990 – um, was in, in March, I think, early 90s, so probably 89 where they're filming this. This is, you know, late 80s when Times Square was Times Square, mm-hmm. not not the, you know, Disney-fied M&M store that it is today. And they show him walking, um, walking past an adult entertainment center, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there's a Barker out front. He's going, nude women, nude women. Clowns welcome. Clowns welcome. <laughs> Nude. <laughs> right. That's, that was good. Please don't pray to no women. Me no women. Clowns welcome. Clowns welcome. Clowns welcome. And again, that this and and it's the um you know the the theme of this is the beginning. You know the start of our podcast. So the theme is beginnings. And right off the bat, it's telling you what kind of movie you're watching. That again, mm-hmm. there's no reaction. Bill doesn't stop walking. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't, you know, no one and no one on the street acknowledges this guy. It just, you know what? It's going to be there. And if you aren't paying attention, you're going to miss it because there's no laugh. There's, there's, there's no laugh track. There's no reaction from anyone on screen. It's just we're going to deliver this hilarious thing. And then it's up to you, the audience, to pick it up. Right. And and that's and that's going to carry through the whole movie. So if you're watching this and you miss that clowns welcome, you know, you miss that line here, then you're going to miss a lot of things later on. So, um, yeah. So they, they tell you up front who this guy is, that he doesn't fit in and then what kind of movie it is that there's going to be there's there's going to be funny stuff. And so you better be paying attention. That's right. It's it's this quirky you're not sure what really is going on, why he's just walking at this point. Mm-hmm. Not reacting like you said to all these things, uh, sort of checked out, and he he makes his way to the bank, where of course he's turned down, and and they told him he can't come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're closing, and it was right. just another you know New York thing. It's just That's another right. hassle in the big city. That it's like we don't you know we don't care who you are. It's very impersonal, mm-hmm. um, but he does manage to. Yes, he, to, to get a big foot in the door. Yes, he gets, that's right. He gets a big foot in the door, slams on his foot. Uh, he does show his gun to the security guard. He tells them they're robbing the place. Uh, and, of course, nobody really believes him because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. he's just dressed as a ridiculous clown. Yeah. Goes into the bank. 
again states that he's robbing it. And finally, when he shoots his gun in the air, people kind of realize, okay, this is this is happening. But you never really feel you could tell he's not violent. Because at this point, you still don't really know what's going on. You just know it's a little bit uh, quirky, like I said. But he's not violent. He's just very casual. He's getting everybody in. He's there to do a specific job and get out. Right. Yeah. He. So we we see a guy. The the contrast with the yeah the outrageous clown getup, but the face is very serious. He's walking as he's walking down the street. It's very deliberate. Right. And, and also, guess, we don't know. I just and and so this is a, a, a movie that's made me think of. It's kind of similar in terms of, you know, you're saying is this, you know, is this a comedy? Is it a dramedy? Is it a heist film? And I thought of like Beverly Hills Cop mm-hmm. is is like you know Beverly Hills Cop is a serious heist movie, and then we drop Eddie Murphy into the middle of it. And of course, right. Eddie Murphy, you know, in and that was uh, um, what mid eighties, eighty four, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's like Eddie Murphy at the height of of him being Eddie Murphy. And he's funny, but it's a serious heist movie around it. So it's, you know, audience coming into this won't know. Is this is this, you know, is it that kind of film? Is this a serious heist movie mm-hmm. with, you know, with this comedic actor in the middle of it? Or is this going to be a slapstick, wacky comedy? I mean, we've got him in the big clown shoes and everything. You know, we still don't know exactly what we're in for, but we know right. – we know it's going to be different. I guess we, we know that much. Exactly. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and that well, and that the sequence that you just yeah leading up to the, the the him saying like it's a robbery and no one like is paying any attention even moves right the the the, the back and forth like that there's like it's maybe like a minute or thirty seconds of. <laughs> I mean, this is better. There's, there's, there's whole comedies that don't have as much content as like that minute of the the guard where you know what the hell kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind of. <laughs> yes, great. And, that's a great line. And then the, the guard says, "I'm just an old man." Gives him his gun. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? And Bill Murray. Real? Oh, really? You're an old man. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> you. Let's not mess with me today. Okay. I'm robbing the bank. What the hell kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind, I guess. Oh, look, I'm just an old man. Really? Yeah. Let's go. And then, yeah, the, the the no reaction until he until he fires the gun, and it's like, all right, we've got now we've got live fire. Right. So now we're it up, becomes serious. We're up. We're, yeah, we're up in the stakes a little bit. It becomes serious. And and this is where we meet the other two main characters, uh, Randy Quaid and Gina Davison. Mm-hmm. As people already in the bank, just customers posing as customers already in the bank and pretty much hostages at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And which is, which is a, a pretty smart idea, uh, especially I think for back then it, it's, it's very clever. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think would this work now or has it been, you know, it, it's been done several times, but it's been in, you know, now that it's been done in a Bill Murray movie is this kind of thing well-known enough that it wouldn't work in terms of you have your accomplices already in the bank posing as customers? Yeah, I don't think think it would work now. I think it would be – I think you would get too much – you know what it is now? There's too much cameras and and people 
posting everything. I don't think you'd be able to get away with not knowing. They would they would pin people together. Oh, he knows this one. This one knows that. They're friends. Social media. I don't think it could work now. Yeah. Well, I think one thing is so. So one of the things that comes up later is obviously they need they need to slip away. Bill Murray as the kind of the main robber, but also you know Gina and and um, and Dennis Quaid as well. And so they need to separate themselves from the other hostages. And then later on, uh, Ratzinger will notice, hey, where's you know where are those other hostages that came out first? Right. Where I think yeah, these days it would be much harder to slip away. And also they'd have, I think, so they do show Bill has to shoot out one camera Yes. where these days, I mean, I haven't, I, you know, I don't know the last time I was in an actual bank. I mean, I deposit checks through my phone and mm-hmm. I hit ATMs and, you know, wherever. So, uh, but I'm guessing if you go into an actual bank these days, there's more than one camera, right? Like they'd be everywhere. And so it would be everywhere. It'd be much easier to, well, one much harder to slip away and then much easier to figure out oh which one of the hostages you know who was in the bank before the robbery and who do we not have accounted for now right and and i have to give a shout out to Randy Quaid because he just plays uh kind of just a scumbag <laughs> he, he's <laughs> he's throwing up he's acting crazy uh, getting himself okay we have to send somebody out we're going to send him out first because he's just such a menace to the other hostages, they don't even want him there. Yeah, well, and that and that comes out. That's part of the plan. Is which right, the accomplices have to be the first two hostages that get released, so they can they make get away. Now, I have a, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, something I thought, and I think I, I think it was just recently in my recent rewatch that I that I picked up on it. I thought Dennis or Loomis is the character. I thought Loomis was Phyllis's brother for a long time because like what, why, what's the relationship? It's obvious. So, so we do later on, we'll see there's a romantic relationship between Bill and Gina. And mm-hmm. so they're, you know, they're robbing the bank so they can get money and they can run away together. And I couldn't figure out like, so who's, like, where does this third guy come in? And I thought, well, he must be like, he's Gina Davis's loser brother. And right. that's why Bill includes him in the heist. But then, but it's, no, they're they're not brother and sister. He's just like the third wheel of their gang. Like, what That's he- kind of what I see. I did not think they were related. It makes sense now when you mention it, but I just thought that he was kind of, yeah, a friend. Okay. A, sort of a third wheel. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing in the movie that that suggests that they're brother and sister. I'm just like mm-hmm. I couldn't. He just he doesn't fit in with the right. Other and yes, that is true. He doesn't. <laughs> and so I would just say it was something I made up in my head to try to figure out like like wh- where did they get this guy and why is why is Bill associated with him? Like mm-hmm. I know, like why is Bill associated with Gina? Well, because let's see, um, you know, she's beautiful and she's right. smart, and you know, she you know. Why wouldn't you, you know, you'd want to be associated with someone like Gina versus Dennis, who is, who is, he's Dennis Quaid. So why would, if you're, if, if, if there, if you weren't related to uh, Randy Quaid, oh, excuse me, Randy Quaid, let's not, let's, let's not insult uh, Dennis. Oh, I'm so, wait, what did I say? I was saying Dennis. Ugh. Okay. You know, no, it's, it's sorry. It's yes. It's Randy Quaid. Right. So yeah, if you weren't related to him, why else would you be associated 
with well in either way with randy quaid or or the character loomis right um so and we we so we never get i guess so there's room for like a prequel we never get that backstory <laughs> on like why you know how does he get how did he get into um you know this sort of this quote-unquote gang of of three right i i just took it that him and bill murray's character were friends and that's where this kind okay. of yeah, I mean, then that's where it happened is that they were just friends for whatever reason. Right. And they were. One thing is like if they needed if they needed a sacrificial patsy, if someone had to go down or someone had to get caught, that Bill wouldn't really mind leaving Randy behind. Uh huh. That's oh, that's deep. Is he thinking is even 10 steps ahead here? Well, we do know because later on, it seems so the. So the, the, the first act of the movie, like the first 18 or, or 20 minutes that we're going to be talking about are just centered around the bank robbery and getting out of the bank. And then the rest of the movie are the the merry mix-ups that occur as they try to find their way to the airport for the getaway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and at one point – well, at several points, it looks like they're not going to make their flight. But at one point, Bill says, well, we don't make this flight. I've got tickets on a later flight. Mm-hmm. You know, so he does plan contingencies and it wouldn't be it would not surprise me if he also had a plan of, you know, if we need to throw someone to the cops to kind of slow them down. Now, I mean, there's also there's downsides because Randy knows who Bill and Gina are like Randy right. can give up a lot of information. And also he seems like someone who would not stand up under under questioning. Like right. if, if the police capture Randy, Bill has to assume Everything Randy knows, the cops now know. Right. Like he, he doesn't strike me. And when that's, that that kind of brings up one of the notes I had is during the robbery, there are three, you know, our three main characters, our three uh, protagonists are playing parts mm-hmm. and they're, they're acting, you know, so he's pretending to be a clown and a bank robber and they're pretending to be just, you know, they're pretending to be bank customers who become hostages later on. Mm-hmm. But then throughout the movie, even when they're not supposed to be acting, they still kind of fit the characters. So, so Randy's thing is he's gonna be he's gonna be panicky and he's gonna be loud and yeah, a little buffoonish point, even. Yeah, a buffoon. He yeah. he throws up into a glove and he's like, you know, he's he's and, and I think Bill says like, you know, this is the kind of guy that get innocent people killed. <laughs> right, so, that's right. So when they when the, when all the hostages decide on who's gonna get sent out first, they're like, yeah, get that guy out because. Right. You know, yeah, he's panicking. He's a buffoon. He's he's an oddball, and he's throwing up into his glove. Just just get him out of get here, him out, right? But then the rest of the movie, we you know, he panics. He he jumps out of a moving cab. He is you know he he's the horn. He's yeah, slapstick. He's a buffoon. Yeah, he yeah. he yeah, he almost gets him caught yes. with yeah with with the horn while Bill's on the phone with the police. Like so, even when he's not acting as a maybe it's typecasting. So even when he's not mm-hmm. acting as a buffoon, he's a buffoon. Right. And then Gina Davis is kind of the other way. She's the strong individual and she's standing up to the bank robber and she's talking back. And then the other hostages are worried that, you know, oh, she's going to antagonize him and she's going to make him be dangerous. And I think that I, I, I wrote down the quote, the bank manager says, why don't you take her out next? You don't need that kind of aggravation. <laughs> You know, right. so that's that's the way she gets out as one, right. as the second hostage to be released. But then through the rest of the movie, she's 
you know, she's independent. She's strong. There's, there's a few points. She stands up, you know, it's, this is all Bill's plan and he's the ringleader, but she stands up to him at, mm-hmm. at certain points. Like she still carries through that character. And then throughout the whole thing, Bill is the, the crying on the inside. That's right. Clown. That's so right. I thought, yeah. So it, it does fit. It does fit their, their characters, even the characters they're playing. It's not too far off from what they actually are in the movie. Right. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the, the characters that, that Grim, Phyllis and Loomis are playing in the bank, they're yeah, it's not it's not a stretch. They're not they're not going complete opposites. It's kind of yeah. who they are. Right. Which yeah. would make sense. I mean, it would make sense. Something like this. You would you, you kind of you maybe exaggerate yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they're doing is, is the way I see it. Yeah. Now, I want to I, I, since we're, we're on the, the topic. I want to jump ahead a little bit because mm-hmm. so there is one point where um, where Bill is playing a different character when they first get out of the bank, when they're released from the bank and they're being questioned by the police. And at this point, Bill has shed the makeup and the the clown outfit and he has to pretend to be a released hostage. Right. And now, now originally we had talked about we're just going to cover you know, we're just going to cover the bank heist. Like that's mm-hmm. the first act of the film where, you know, the theme is beginnings because it's the beginning of the podcast, beginning of the film. And when I went to cut it up and like set, you know, the, the mark where we stop and it's right after they get out of the bank and it's just so funny and Bill is so good that I'm like, I have to, I want to talk about it. I yes. want to include this, like it's, it's just an extra minute, but it's so hilarious. Yes. So, I mean, and we can, we could talk about it right now. He, okay. he walks, he sends, Loomis goes out because again they all voted and he was he's a loose cannon. He gets mm-hmm. out and now Gina Davis, uh, she goes out and mm-hmm. and th- what and this is another thing I really do like about this movie. All you see is now Bill Murray coming out in I believe it's um like a red wig kind of glasses, sort of like that jacket, right? A little bit. Well, yeah, and so this is you know a, a brave decision where we're now almost twenty minutes into the film, and your your main you know your main protagonist is still in a disguise, right? Yeah, and he's got this you know kind of frizzy red hair. He's wearing glasses because I feel like if this movie was made today, that they would have to show you him getting out of his clown suit, taking off the makeup. I love the fact that it just trusts the audience. Mm-hmm. He, you know, you, you do, you obviously get a, a feeling that <laughs> they know each other. Right. I mean, I know it's harder now we've seen it right, uh, a couple right. of times, but watching it besides, obviously they're two superstar actors, uh, especially for then you get a feeling that this is, they're all in on it together. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would watch this and think, oh, uh, Randy Quaid. Oh, they're letting him out. I, I, I wonder. I think it's pretty apparent that they're in it, the three of them. Yeah. So I will say, I don't think, first time seeing it, I don't think I picked up on any of that until, until Gina spots Bill has a spot of the white clown makeup behind his ear. And as he's talking to the police, she, um, she spots it and she kind of mm-hmm. rubs, she rubs, you know, she kind of pretends to be comforting him and, and, and patting him on the shoulder and kind of rubs the make the little spot of makeup off. I think that was the first time that I picked up. Oh, so you didn't think that they were working together. I didn't know what was going on. 
<laughs> well, that's all right. That's, that's, that's fine. But it just makes, you know, the the the, re- the revelation later even, even yeah. better. But, it, you know, and going along with that, that like they don't show him changing. They don't show, you know, the transformation. They also haven't shown you what's happened to the money. So it's like, OK, so you robbed a bank and you got out of the bank without getting caught. Right. But if you don't get out with money, then what was the point? That's right. And it's I think it's. It may be nearly an hour in, like eventually, or no, it's maybe 15, 20 minutes late or so. But I mean, it's a good 40 minutes into the film before they give you any indication. Now, having, you know, having seen it now, or if you haven't seen it and you watch it for the first time now, I think there's there have been other heist movies that have done something similar. So it probably wouldn't yeah. be a surprise or it's something I think a modern audience would pick up on. I don't know if it was something you'd expect an audience in 1990. To be like, oh, of course, this is where the money is. You don't need right. to show I, it. I mean, and I will say, I did not. I was, uh, I don't want to say confused, but it, when they walk out, I did wonder where the money was the first time. I did mm-hmm. because you don't mm-hmm. really, well, the, you don't really get any indication. Oh, I guess he is taping money up at one point. Yeah, they do show but, him. He's like, yeah, laying out money, and he's got like a roll of packing. But I don't think it's that right. clear. Yeah, because oh, I mean, it could be a thing of like, oh, I'm gonna. It could have been, oh, I'm going to tape up the money and I'm going to hide it in a vent or something. And then later I'm going to come back as, you know, right. the, the HV, you know, the, the heating repairman. Or I'm going to come back into the bank the next day as a plumber or something right, right. And, and, and sneak it out that way. Because that's something we've seen, um, you know, plenty of heist movies do that as well, where it's like you don't. You know, the thing they think you're trying to leave with, you you don't leave with it. You leave it behind. And, right. And, and then you come back later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they could have gone that way. But, he, I mean, he's so good. Uh, one, okay, yeah. just just go. Right, I, I, I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do like the Chris Farley thing where it's do like, it. okay. When he's described, you know, he's he's he's, you know, he's talking up to the police and he's he's saying, you know, this this. The hostage taker, this clown, this bank robber, he's out of control. He says to, you know, he says to the lady here, up your boat with a, up your, up, well, up your butt with a coconut. Yeah, up your butt with a coconut. I think he was prepared to do it, except I, I saw no a coconut. I saw no coconut. There was no coconut. And then the, the chief of police there, seriously, like, like he's, you know, he's taking all this serious. He's noting no coconut. This is what the animal said to us. He says to Miss Cochran here, baby, up your butt with a coconut. I think he was prepared to do it. Except I saw no coconut. Yeah, he had no coconut to my alley. No coconut. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just like the, the line and the delivery. Because, of course, like the police have to take this seriously. And, and mm-hmm. Bill is just so over the top. And that's like another trope of the you know, the hiding in plain sight and you just be so obnoxious that, you know, that, that people tune you out and that's what Bill's doing here. And it's something he does. He does so well. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And, and it is, I mean, as you said, the movie's not that long, but for the first act, I mean, 20, probably 30 minutes, you do not see Bill Murray in the, in the form that that audience would know him or recognize him. Until 30, 40 minutes into the movie, which right. I think is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really um, – yeah, it's really interesting, a choice as – well, because also at this point, so you know, okay, he's not a clown. 
Right. So you expect at some point he's going to come out of the clown makeup, but then the the character that he comes out with, the hostage character with the the frizzy red wig and the glasses mm-hmm. and everything, that could be the character. You know, if you're watching this for the first time, that could that's be right. that's what we're going to see the rest of the film. That's right. Um, but then they kind of oh nope, switch it up. Nope, that was another another character that you know Grimm is playing, another character within the movie. That's right. Thing. Um, yeah, I mean, as as an actor and as a director, it's really, um, really brave. And also, this is early. I mean, going back to talking about where where Bill Murray was in his career, he's still kind of getting his start as a lead actor because obviously mm-hmm. he's very funny. But you know, starting you know really kind of national attention from SNL, which is um, you know an ensemble skit group Mm -hmm. ghostbusters he's one of those three main ghostbusters you know little shop of horrors he had like a a, you know minor little pretty much just a cameo in that you know scrooge just kind of his first turn as the leading man in 88 and as as we said that was not very well reviewed or or received but we do love it oh absolutely and (laughs) you know we can see like this guy he doesn't need you know, he doesn't need Dan Aykroyd and, and Harold Ramis to carry him. Like, this guy can carry a movie on his own. Um, right. And, I mean, really, you know, it's, it's um, you know, Gina Davis and Randy Quaid are there, you know, kind of fill out the, you know, the, our, the, the gang, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the bank robbers and the protagonist. But it, this really is Bill Mur- Bill's movie, um, you know, that that he shows. He, he can carry it. And then, yeah, as, as a director – and as a um, as an actor, you know, just to say, yeah, I'll go, I'll go a third of the movie without the audience seeing, right? You know, th- without seeing the character as he really is. We're gonna put him in in costumes, and it's interesting you mentioned that. So this is um, a little background on the film. So this is based on a book by Jay Cronley, a book of the same name called Quick Change, and this is actually not the first film version of that book. Um, it, so there's a, a, a 1985 movie called hold up, mm-hmm. which is, it's a French film. It's uh, I believe it's in at least the version I find I, I was able to find of it is in French and it's um, there. The bank robbery occurs in Montreal. And, and, and just like you said, there is, I just, I, I kind of, I didn't watch the whole thing. I skipped around a little bit, but there's like 10, 15 minutes in the beginning that sets up before it doesn't start with the bank robbery. Mm-hmm. So they set it up before you get into the bank robbery. And then the guy, he actually, when he comes out, he's, he's completely made up. He's an old man makeup. So it's, it's a kind of middle-aged guy. Kind of the, the main actor there is probably the, around the same age as Bill Murray was when he made this. But when he comes out of the bank, he's like very, he's got like a wig and a prosthetic nose and all this other stuff. But you do have sort of an introduction before the bank robbery where you see the guy as a regular guy. And then afterwards, obviously he takes all the makeup and the disguises off and you see him then. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so really interesting, uh, a brave choice. And I think it pays off here to say, absolutely. No, yeah. No introduction to, uh, to Grimm as a character before we see him as the clown. And then we're not going to even show you the transition between clown and hostage and everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one other thing I'll mention. So about the 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 85 um film Hold Up, I recognize no one on the cast, um, the director, anything like nobody um 
was anybody I recognized except um, a young Kim Cattrall oh. playing the the Gina Davis part. She oh, is, wow. you know, she's the the love interest female part of the the triad of the bank robbers. Okay. So um, yeah, so maybe maybe something folks would want to look up if you're uh, if you're either a, a fan of uh, Jay Cronley and in, in the novel, or if you're a fan of, of Kim Cattrall and see her do her thing. Um, and the other, well, the other, and the one other thing I wanted to mention is that Hold Up features um, at the end. It, it features the the music of Nina Rota, who we know because he was the inspiration. Nina Rota was um, a big, if you haven't heard of him, big uh, film score scorer. Is that what you say? I guess or composer, film composer. Did uh, you know? Did the, the great soundtrack for uh, The Godfather. Um, also did a lot of work with Fellini and did, you know, did films that featured clowns, uh, you know, Italian films that that featured um, clowns. And that's the tie in for the holdup. But uh, the he's got a certain style that was the inspiration for the soundtrack for Groundhog Day. Oh, uh, when Harold Ramis was making Groundhog Day, he he went to his composer and said, give me give me a Nino Rota feel um, so you'll get some of that that sort of um you know that 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 type of, of film score or some of that music if you watch hold up so uh-huh. i just wanted to throw that we'll little, check that little bit of trivia yeah to, to, to dip in there but yeah so really good brave choice we see the clown then we see the hostage and then at some point later we actually get to see bill murray as bill murray that's right yeah, that's right. And they show like you said the one indication is when she wipes off the white clown makeup and you see okay, this was definitely if you had any doubt, that kind of shows you oh, okay, that was Bill Murray coming out right. As the, going in as the clown coming out as this now uh alleged hostage. Yeah, and and, and really subtle because you know, some, sometimes in films, actors play more than one part. So you don't know. Okay. You're like, all right, I recognize Bill Murray under the clown makeup. I recognize this is Bill Murray under this wig, but he could be playing two different characters, but they right. definitely let you know, no, this is, this is the clown. He has changed his outfit. This is all part of the plan. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it was very smart. And um, I also read that, that Bill had a hand in writing this as well. He's sort of an uncredited writer which makes sense as as a director even if he wasn't you know formally in the writing process he could you know um as the director and lead actor he could always change things on the set depending right. on how um you know how and he was fits, feeling but it fits with his persona mm-hmm. i think as far as i mean, i wouldn't say this was uh, his later films he took more risks going opposite of maybe how he was perceived this is straight up classic bill murray yeah, and just and just so good, and 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 don't like that may scare me off if I hear oh the lead actor is also the producer and the director oh and he had a hand in the writing like I just think oh this is a vanity project it's going to be self indulgent it's going to be just playing to you know the actor and everyone else is going to be you know not really get to shine. And I, I don't think I think every all these actors and part of it is going back to, again, the, the, the great cast that, you know, Gina Davis and Randy Quaid get to do their thing. Jason Robards as that main antagonist, as the chief of police, like really, you know, the, the other actors on set get a chance to shine that it's not. Um, yeah, it's not just all about Bill feeding his own ego. That's um, true. Yeah, this is definitely not. 
self-indulgent at all. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, wrapping up that first scene, <laughs> that's, I think we covered a lot of it. I think we kind of hit what the movie's about. If this interests you, I say you go and you rent this movie, buy this movie, library, go to the library and get it, whatever you need to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, obviously we could, we could talk about this movie a lot longer, but I, know, I think we've, we've gotten the point. Um, yeah. So in terms of seeing the movie, it doesn't look like it's not, it doesn't, it, as of right now, it doesn't look like it's included with any services. So if you have Netflix or if you have Amazon prime, it's not, it's not one of the movies that's included with Amazon prime. It is available. I think it's a two ninety nine rental or you can buy it through prime. It's also, Google Play and Vudu, so you you can stream it. It is available on some uh, on a lot of different streaming somehow, services. You have to pay to rent it or pay to buy it. But you, yeah, you'd have to pay, or you know, buy um, you know Laserdisc, Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. It is available as well. Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've got I've got a, a ton of notes, but there's um, I think there's only one last thing that I want to say is mm-hmm. I found this um, I found this anecdote. And I'll give a shout out to this was on the the website funny115.com. And that's just the the numeral. So it's you know funny F-U-N-N-Y and then the number one, number one, number five dot com. Mm-hmm. On on the page for for this film, they, they talk about an anecdote when Bill Murray was on the the old daily show with Craig Kilborn. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember way back when, before even before John Stewart. And Kilborn had a thing where he did his five questions at the end of the the interview with the guest. And he would just ask five uh, random questions. And then one of one of the questions he asked Bill was name two really funny Bill Murray movies. And without hesitation, uh, Bill's answer was quick change and the first Ghostbusters. Oh, wow. In, in that order. Okay. Um, so, and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would put, I might go Groundhog Day instead of Ghostbusters in terms of, you know, you know, my Bill Murray favorites. But yeah, if you ask two two funny Bill Murray movies, it's hard to top those two. That's right. I mentioned it just, you know, he thought he thinks highly of the movie. Um, you know, it's something he did. He, you know, even though it was not financially successful and obviously it did not kick off a great career in, you know, as a director or as a producer. But just to show that, like years afterwards, he was still proud of what he had done, even right. if, you know, even if it didn't get the the broad recognition of, you know, of uh, something, you know, a, a blockbuster like Ghostbusters. The critical acclaim of, right, of of some other, some of his other movies. Yeah. So, so definitely, yeah. If, if you haven't seen it, hopefully we've, we, hopefully we've not spoiled it too much, but I, right. I don't think we have. I think it's definitely still, still, uh, still worth checking out. And, and I think uh, yeah. I think we're going to have to come back uh, and talk about the middle and the end in future episodes because this movie's just too good to just leave here at the beginning. Yeah, I mean I can think of um I can think of, of several different things and if we want to take a step back, you know, kind of we, we we've wrapped up with quick change but talk a little bit more about the podcast and what we're going to do is we're going to kind of have seasons where we we do a, a set of shows on a theme. And, you know, for the start of the podcast, our, our theme for this season is the beginning. So we started with the beginning of this film. But, you know, there's a middle section. There's an end section. There's the cameo, the the, the Tony Shalhoub part, you know, 
there's there's you know several different um, themes that we could come up with, either talking about cameos or talking about foreigners or talking about language barriers. Um, they run into some gangsters with Stanley Tucci, like that all bit. Like there's there's definitely there's we have left a lot on the tray. Right, there's a lot to pick. We'll be back several times, maybe with different parts of this movie with the with different themes like you said there's a lot there yeah yeah so so brian any, any anything else anything you want to say on you know either on the podcast or the movie or uh, well, life in general uh, no i think the the movie it, it's great it's classic underrated gem go check it out and uh stay tuned for more episodes of all sorts of different pop culture movies music books uh, I'm on here. Yeah, so I think the only other thing I would say is you you can keep in touch with us on our website, nextscenepod.com. You can follow us on social media. And if you want to either share your opinions about this film or, or anything else, we're on Twitter at Next Scene Pod, Instagram, uh, Next Scene Podcast. And we have our listener group on Facebook is the Jelly of the Month Club. So, you know, we, we welcome to hear your feedback. And we will... We'll see you or we'll hear you or you'll hear us next time on the next scene. <laughs>